And we're live. Another episode of Athletic Insights. Just briefly here, Athletic Insights is a resource for youth sports organizations, coaches, parents, and young athletes looking to get a glimpse in behind the scenes of elite athletics. We're joined here today by our guest, Dylan Bell of the St. Francis Xavier X-Men. Dylan, how are you doing tonight? Doing great. Yourself? I'm good. I'm good. I appreciate your time. Um, for those of you listening at home, Dylan, another uh, athlete role model who grew up in Brockville, wasn't born in Brockville, but grew up in Brockville. Um, so Dylan, why don't you just take a minute to introduce yourself and then uh, just tell us a little bit about your youth sports experience growing up in the States and then transitioning to Canadian football. Yeah, so I was born in uh, Pocatello, Idaho, and moved up here when I was about five years old. Uh, it started off just my dad being so involved in everything, took some kind of managerial roles, trying to organize some football at a young age, and then uh, played everything from soccer, baseball, uh, basketball, hockey, pretty much everything I could get my hands on, we tried. Um, he was a big guy in the like theory of play everything and see what you like the most stick with that so the young age did that um and it was different for us moving to canada like we'd never heard of hockey or anything my dad didn't even know how to skate or had seen a hockey game and he it was killing them that there was no youth football in the area that you had to wait to high school to start so i think i was about Eight or nine years old, and he uh, started up the flag football league at first in Brockville, and then I think it was two years after that we started the touch football or the uh, touch and tackle football leagues, and then the touch only ran for a year, I believe, and then the tackle is still going today, and it's grown into the whole Rito uh, area. As I think there's four or five organizations involved in it right now. now there's Beckwith. Smith Falls, Kempville, and Brockville. Okay, so three at this point. At one point, it had Cornwall and uh, Gananoque and stuff. So it's nice to be a part of the foundation of football in the area. And then played basketball, football, and baseball pretty competitively all the way through to high school and decided that football was the love. So kept going with that. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to just touch base a little bit about the role that your dad played in your development more through your time in high school? Um, so for everyone listening at home, Dylan's dad, Tom, um, played a huge role in, like Dylan said, the BYFA, the RYFL, BCI football. He's he's probably the reason that I was able to um, advance and develop so quickly in the sport. So do you want to just touch base on on what that was like to have access to him all the time? It was amazing. Um, like at such a young age, you you kind of do what your parents are willing to let you do. And he was the type of guy that he'd be going to rink to a court, to a field if he had to. He just wanted to be out there playing and my siblings playing as much as we could. And uh, so that was great before high school. And then when we got to high school, I'd kind of been a part of the high school practices and stuff for a few years because he'd coached the high school team since I was grade five, he was doing that on top of the uh, other sports and coaching of me and my siblings he was doing. So I'd always been at the practices, watching the practices, take part in the practices, kind of just around the game and uh, definitely grew the love of it through that and not being forced into it. 
Um, it was all on my own decision. He was a big believer that he'll never force me in anything. It's got to be on my own willingness. And I think that was huge for allowing me to grow my own love for the game and not kind of get forced in or burnt out from it. Absolutely. And um, you, you like myself, or another BCI alumni, BCI grad, you want to talk just a little bit about uh, your time mainly playing uh, football and basketball at BCI? Yeah, it was great. For such, for a, such a small school, we got really lucky. I think you'd agree with our coaches and the commitment they put in. Uh, it was not really what you see in high schools, sadly, today in Canada. Yeah, um, not anymore. Because of the lack of funding and everything, it's it's sad, but there just isn't programs like that anymore. And, God, we I'd say 90% of our friends are still through those sports and through those memories that you built and not only on the field but off the field and just uh, how much it teaches you to control your emotions and to be able to regulate yourself. and Definitely something me and you needed help with growing up. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, definitely at that young age, I could remember getting – told to go sit in the car and wait till after the game and many basketball games and multiple football games just because it wasn't the way you're supposed to act and so thankful for it and it moved on to being captain in high school and captain in university and everything just that those lessons at such a young age having those strong like not dictator coaches but the ones that were going to tell you when you were right or wrong they weren't going to sugarcoat it um, it just held us to a really high standard and it and it really worked for the group of guys we had. Exactly. And it was, they were going to yell twice as loud when you did something right that you'd been practicing. But if you did something that wasn't the way we play or the way we were supposed to act, they'd rip you and they'd get on you. And it was, uh, but you needed that at that age, especially. For sure. Um, what, what were, what was some of your most fond memories at your time at BCI? Um, Cause obviously me and you got to play, everything together since you arrived in grade nine. And uh, personally, there's so many like uh, our grade 12 Brockville bowl um, playing together in grade when I was in grade 10 and you're in grade nine playing basketball on that one team, we went 28 and one, like just so many highs. So what, uh, what ones stick out for you personally? Yeah, I think number one by far would have to be the, uh, my grade 10 Brockville bowl, actually your first year of senior when I was playing up, we got to play with the older guys and uh, it was at our home field and I picked one off in the second half to kind of seal the win and just remember seeing the guys that I'd watched play before me on the sideline right as I scored and we took the lead. It was pretty, pretty unreal then. And then your big uh, fake field goal touchdown. That was your grade 11 year. That was my grade 12 year. That was the next year, right? No, so that game you're talking about, I was grade 12, you were grade 11, because Millward and all them were gone, They were and Huey was gone, they were watching us. Todd caught the ball. So, yeah, that's the that, same for me. That Well, that was the fake field goal, but yeah, the year before that was the interception there for me when I was playing up. I think you had, yeah, you had multiple interceptions. You also yeah. had an interception in the game that I'm referring to that sealed the deal. So, yeah, yeah. you've been picking the ball off against Tiss uh, pretty much since day one. <laughs> yeah but there's nothing better and it was the same with that year when you threw that touchdown that just seeing the guys before you that we'd watch practice and I'd been watching those guys since grade five practice with my dad and all the blood and sweat that went into those practices seeing them so happy on the sideline to win it for the school was just 
those memories are just as live as the ones at any university sport or any huge game with thousands of fans. It's having those 500 people that you grew up with and you mm-hmm. grew up in that small town with were just as big. To me, they're even maybe like bigger. They're so vivid. I remember uh, the goosebumps of that game playing a powerhouse team like Tess, you know, not sh- not really sure how we were going to stack up because we hadn't played them yet that year. Yeah. And uh, I remember Jake Fawcett was in the crowd and they had, Tiss had just scored right away, first drive of the game. And uh, Jake just yelled at me. He said, yo, Benson, show me how to return a football. And I was like, oh, well, okay. And uh, ended up picking it up, taking it 40 yards. Just little stuff like that you always remember. But uh, Oh, yeah. Anyways, do you want to talk about your transition um, going from playing brothel football to the Grens in Kingston and kind of navigating your decision to move away from quarterback to free safety? Yeah, it was actually pretty tough. I uh... – being from the States, my dad's mentality growing up and everything that I knew was that you just play high school ball and that's how you get recruited. So going into uh, my grade 12 season, actually, I hadn't, I'd played a little bit of rep football in Cornwall and Ottawa um, at different times, but I was also playing high school at this time. And I decided that I wanted, like I was pursuing this and I was supposed to go back to, uh, Utah to play my grade 12 year and some stuff fell through and the arrangements kind of got screwed up. So I ended up having to go up to Kingston and uh, it was a tough time with uh, divorce and stuff. So money wise, it was like you're driving up there three times a week and you got siblings playing other sports. So pops couldn't drive me all the time. And it was just a, it was a tough time, but it's just the sport community. Like you get up there and I have, probably 40 50 friends from Kingston now too and it like they'll pick you up they'll let you stay at their place if you need it like you grow into that community and that's what saved me because I went up there for the winter workouts and uh tried playing DB at the time and uh they had a really good safety that went on to play at Queens at the time so I was gonna have to battle for a uh spot and I got lucky with the coaches there uh Warren Goldie and Bob Mullen just kind of saw me playing there and they said they wanted to keep me and they'd find a spot for me on the D. And then when we got to the training camp, uh, we had a QB quit and one go down and all of a sudden someone heard that I'd played quarterback before. So I got my shot. Uh, it was actually one morning before practice. They came over and said, you want to try quarterback? I said, everybody'd love to try quarterback. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> and, uh, Started slinging it a little bit in practice, and next week decided that I was going to play Q for the team, and that was probably when the the hardest part started for my football career was played two games and played on real, started to finally get recruits, started to get that taste of the next level, and all of a sudden snapped my collarbone in game three, and uh, all the people, all the schools I was talking to kind of dropped me and weren't talking to me at all so all of a sudden it was nightmare and couldn't didn't know if I'd be able to play at all that season didn't know if I'd be able to go back and play the next year either so was worried that football was going to be over and luckily I came back later that year and played receiver for a couple games and then uh, was feeling good and finally starting to talk to a couple coaches again and 
got back to playing quarterback, and what do you know? I snap it again in the semifinals. <laughs> and I'm just so thankful that uh, the defensive coach there at the time ended up taking the defensive coach the next year, the next fall at uh, St. FX. So he saw me playing, loved the athleticism and the passion for the game, and luckily invited me to switch to DB for the next summer. But I had to actually commit to X before even playing any like defensive snaps for him or him seeing any footage of me playing D. And, uh, yeah, without him taking that leap of faith with me, it just wouldn't have happened. So got really lucky again with that family you build through the game. For sure. And, and one of the things about you is you're, you're definitely a really solid athlete, but what separates you and makes you so special is, is your, your mindset and your, the way you're able to pick the game apart and slow things down. And I think a lot of that comes from you growing up in the States and also just having access to pick your dad's brain and, and you watching your film. So, um, so for me, I was always kind of wondering, is Dylan going to go play quarterback? Is he going to go play safety? Like where's he going to wind up in university? Do you ever have any, any curiosity or any thoughts towards, you know, what if you did go on to play university quarterback because you were fully capable, but you just kind of loved the defense a little bit because you knew what quarterbacks were thinking because of your time as a quarterback. Yeah. I, uh, I can't lie. I, every game I played or every practice you played, yeah, I wished I was on the other side of the ball. You feel like you're in control more on the offensive side, I find. Um, but for me, it was, I'd had the red flag on me because of that year I played four games and missed eight. So coaches just didn't want me on the offensive side of the ball. They figured I couldn't take a hit, but I could deliver one pretty well. So it was uh, the injury factor that kind of switched me there. And then for me, it was just, you know what, if I got to play another snap of football and if I got to go to university and play some ball, I'd play any position. I'd play D line if I had to. So, yeah, I agree with you there. So what did uh, when did the recruiting process look uh, kind of heat up for you and, and what did it look like? So you had kind of mentioned you had spoken to a few schools that lost interest in you. So do you want to just touch base on that a little bit more for the uh, young athletes at home that might be in a similar situation? Yeah, it's uh, it's a tough process to go through, especially in Canada. Um, you really got to put yourself out there. You got to try to get exposed and play these quite often expensive leagues and expensive teams. Um, and I didn't do that growing up in the small town and I uh, just didn't always have the money to go play for these big teams. And we, uh, it, it made it a, a struggle, but I, I always found, and I'll say to the day I die, that the best decision I ever made was coming here just because when you find those coaches that do, they buy into you as a person and not you as an athlete. Um, that would be my biggest advice for the younger guys trying to, come up younger guys or girls trying to come up is just when a coach invests in you and not just you as an athlete um that's what you got to go with there's so many coaches out there that it's a business to them and they're just trying to uh like win their championships and stuff but I find the best ones are the ones that when they find you and they connect with you and like you said they dig in and see what you're made of on the inside not just the physical abilities um that mindset and stuff because when you get a coach like that that believes in you and knows they can push you and it's going to just continue to rise, like that's what got me there. Mm -hmm. um, there's so many coaches, and, and there's some universities still to this day, that they're great coaches. But the ones that really get to know you and 
have that other relationship on the end of being able to call you out when you're having a bad day and it not be a hostile, but in other words, just a, someone believing you and knowing that you can do better than that. That's what you guys yeah, do. Yeah, I, I, com- I completely agree. And I've lived, well, we both have, but I've lived both sides of that at university. I've had um, like players, coaches that were, were the coaches who were there to win games, of course, but to, to turn us all, all 90 of us into like the best people we could be when we graduate and leave campus. And I've had coaches who come in with an agenda. They just want to turn the program around and be the guy who won the championship. And those are the guys who just see you as a number and the players can sniff that out. So they're obviously going to play a little bit harder for that coach who's invested in them. Like you said, so. Yeah. Um, and for, for sure. athletes, just, uh, sorry, one more thing, just athletes to like trust their gut. There, there's some coaches that, that'll sit there and they'll, uh, they'll butter you up and they'll, they'll try to make you look like they care sometimes. And, they do, but the ones that are just real with you and they're blunt and they, uh, those are the ones that truly care about you because they're not going to beat around the bush. They're going to give it to you honest and they're going to help make you a better person just being honest for with sure. you. For sure. Do you want to just talk a little bit about um, what it was like to step foot on St. Effects uh, coming out of high school and, and just some of the experiences and um, things you've been able to experience there, the Loney Bowls, the, the championships, the highs, the lows, all that kind of stuff. Oh man, it, it's been a roller coaster, that's for sure, and it would have to be way higher than low. It's, uh, I think, because of the roller coaster throughout high school and the recruiting process, I can remember the first training camp coming in and just being ready to try to prove yourself, and then you step in the field and you just go, "Holy crap, I'm here!" And you just see the, you see bleachers, you see a school field that's actually got our logo on it, and coming from a small town, just a turf field to be honest was uh enough yeah. to change and you get all those butterflies and stuff and you just gotta commit to yourself and, and it's I found in my first training camp a couple of times you got caught up and you know thinking like why am I here or do I belong instead of thinking what can I do for this team or because there's always mm-hmm. a role and the more you take on roles outside of your comfort zone as a player it's going to make you into a better player when you get to the actual role you want to get to. Um, I, I still to this day regret not putting as much as I could into specials, special teams all the time in football. And it's one thing I learned in my later years that those side roles are just as important as the big ones. And you really got to continue to work at those as much as uh, the big roles or the starting roles and stuff. And like, I remember first training camp, you knew some of the guys on the team. Like, we had a pretty uh, – the older guys were pretty hard on us that year. And it, it, it wasn't crossing any lines or anything, but it was – you were expected to prove yourself and you were expected to come out and get hit in the jaw and get back up and still do your thing. And uh, luckily I had guys like uh, Demetrius Ferguson and Hayden Peters and just a bunch of guys like that that were uh, – unbelievable guys and they were going to make sure you weren't slipping out on drills or you weren't not giving your all but same time they'd give you the respect when you made a nice play they'd pumped up for you um and then uh yeah that first year you just got to grind through it you know as well as i do it's uh it's a lot of lows like i i had a lot of mental health challenges actually in my first year uh found myself just 
I'm an outgoing person and there was about two, three weeks spurts where I just didn't want to leave my room or anything because it's tough, like not being the going from high school and being the guy and being one of the top five players on the team usually and then you get to university and everybody there was pretty much one of those top three or five players on their team. So you got to trust yourself and kind of make sure you have guys around you that you can actually talk to and open up to and because everybody's going through it and you just got to be able to talk through it and dive into the workouts and dive into the work. And I think the best thing I ever did was just getting lost and working out, getting lost and making myself better every way I could. In the process, right? Yeah. You just, you learn to love the practices and love the, and then uh, I got lucky. I got uh, very fortunate to get named a captain in my second year and, I uh, started my last few games in my first year, and we had a tough, tough loss in the Loney Bowl, but I got a taste of a championship, conference championship lost in the first year, so there was enough of us core players that were stepping into starter roles or at least huge special team roles in that second year that everybody bought in and we had great coaches with Steve Snyder, now the coach at Queens and Bob Mullen still part of the Toronto staff, I think now and coach Waterman just mm-hmm. pushing us. And then we brought in coach Daly from the CFL and all these guys have the same mentality of you just work for your spot and the best player is going to play. Um, there's no favorites. There's no kind of this guy's high on paper, but it, it didn't matter. Whoever balled out in practice, got to play and I got lucky and got named a captain and got to kind of learn from like Hayden Peters again and Tavon Cook and all these other guys especially on the O-line you had like you know first year you had guys like Bobby Martell and Vernon and Chaya Chaya too yeah and just all these guys that just taught you different parts about how to lead and how to kind of take advantage of the opportunities you're getting of being in that leadership role and how you got to carry yourself in a professional manner. And um, I was playing with that second year. God, we were playing with studs. We Shamal at linebacker, Cordero on the line. Uh, you had Paulo. Like I, I got lucky moving in with two like CFL combine two of the best players I ever played with. I moved in with them after my first year off campus into a house and they just kind of helped show me the way of like how to carry yourself. And it really helped Mm -hmm. just in everything, eating wise to how to go to a party and act respectively and how to carry yourself on weekends compared to how to carry yourself in the locker room and how it's got to be similar, but you got to know your moments and stuff. And, I got really lucky with those guys learning a lot from Tabes and Paulo. And um, that second was a huge learning curve because to get named the captain that year was just very surprising one because we had guys like Ashton and all these just elite athletes that I was lucky to be standing beside. And we uh, grinded it out that year and just bought into the systems. And I think that was really when I kind of realized that I had to step up and kind of not that year, but I knew when I was getting to my senior years, I was going to have to uh, 
be role modeling and everything. So it was nice to have those supports when you're growing in that. And then second year, we won that first Loney Bowl for X in 16 years. And it was just like the Brockford Bowl we talked about. It was just the same thing. You saw so many alumni and so many guys that have been grinding for years and they played their five years and didn't get one or they've been grinding for five years and finally got one and coaches that have been played there for five years and lost a couple times like just the meaning of so much work went in and over years and years and years and finally we made the jump and got up there and we actually had a decently competitive game when we got past the championship too um it didn't go our way for sure and it wasn't we weren't in it as much as we should have been or could have been, but UBC went on to win the national championship that year. So they were a great team and they showed us that on our home field. Um, and then we went into third year. That was kind of when a lot of the older guys were gone and I really had to step up and I had a brutal year. It was uh, dropped eight picks, like not even knockdowns, just blatant drops. And uh, it was just that team community that we'd built um, throughout the last couple of years and finally getting everybody on the same page to rip each guy if he's not doing his thing and you know he can do better, but in a way that is all love and all making sure we're being the best we could be. And I remember going into the playoffs and I didn't get all-star and had played well tackling wise but we still had studs there there was no big stack guys on that team because we just had so many great athletes with Shamala Hayden Paulo Holland Furman like the list goes on and on so yeah Mike Miller too at strong like just stud athletes all over the field meta for Kyle Ford Adam Koontz just there needed to be no star because everybody was just such a stud and uh that was our year that that was the big one when we uh we honestly I think if we would have wouldn't have lost injuries and guys to suspensions and stuff I think we could have put a probably three or four more guys on the field and that we won the Loney Bowl that year and took the AUS undefeated but it was getting to Calgary and I remember it being a, it was only a couple points at half and just being like, we're in this because AUS gets such a bad rep and everything, but we were there and we had the team to do it. Um, And just, I watched that game. You guys, you guys were right there with them. Like you said. Oh, and everybody was playing well. Um, Everybody was there, was playing well, but we had, we just had, we had to start a freshman at boundary half and they expected, we're trying to attack that, and then our star corner went down, um, got hurt and couldn't finish the game. Uh, Hayden finished the game. Our field half finished the game with a major contusion. They couldn't run for a year after. Um, like our D tackle, one of our D tackles in the CFL now playing O-line, he couldn't play because of an ankle injury. Cordero went down with a – uh, torn meniscus and was playing the entire game on a torn meniscus. Hadn't played the three weeks before that, but toughed it out because he knew we needed a guy. So just so many injuries. And you know what? We battled and we were right there and ended up losing by, excuse my memory, but two or three 
scores, but it was a uh, was truly a competitive game. We were right in it, and then they had some momentum change when they brought in their uh, their starter that had missed the game before, and they weren't sure if he was healthy. They brought him in and hit us on a controversial call in the end zone if, if a guy held on long enough to call it a catch, and the call went their way, and they rode the momentum and got a lead, and we never got back from it, but that was uh, – uh, that was just a year where it finally felt like X football that had been in in the 1900s such a force, especially in the 60s and then in the 80s and 90s, was finally back and we felt good about it. And then uh, it was a nice way to kind of build going into the next my senior year and everything. And we uh, came into senior year and. Had had a great off season and our, the core group. We had a huge recruiting class back in my first year, so that core group was still there, and uh, we'd held on most of the guys because, sadly, the retention rate of how many guys start in football isn't as high as it should be. But our class ended up holding on to most of the guys, supporting each other, and that fourth year was tough. We had some offensive struggles, and mostly because we just lost our coach way too late and we brought in a great coach actually coached me at the Grenadiers Warren Goldie but it was it's always tough to get a system going in just one or two years so especially when you lose a guy like Steve Snyder like he's one of the most um his offensive mind it's so brilliant and he can communicate it in really simple ways so he's such a good coach for this level of football oh and, and uh, just the competitiveness that coach Snyder brings to to football is it's what I crave, but it's just the best way to coach a team. Like every practice, if you weren't catching balls, you took a seat. Like if you were missing your assignments, you took a seat. There there was no, this person's our best player. Like he's not coming off the field. There was none of that. You were competing every day for everything. Every spot was open and you knew it. And it didn't only make the guys that were, kind of getting chances better but it made those guys that were at the top realize that I still got to put the work in and just that mentality that I'd taken over our team the last couple of years because of him that's how it was and like being a starter and a captain for those years like my position was just up just as up for grabs with other guys you had to make your plays um I remember in that second year going back just dropping all those picks and I I was pissed because I knew like I better be doing everything else right um now I got lucky because me and coach mm-hmm. Mullen were we were a different combo of a safety and a coach we had I had all the lev- I had all the not leverage but all the um freedom, freedom yeah to uh change a play at any time and the defense kind of bought into me and I got lucky with that like having his trust and we would build game plan. We'd meet on extra hours and hours during the week and watch extra film. God, that was my thing. I just loved watching film and we would put together to where certain formations or certain guy would do certain things and we knew exactly what they were doing. And I remember multiple times Hayden guys three years ahead of me would just look at me and goes, okay, I trust you. And just, because I put the work in and had the trust from coach to make those calls. And it was funny because a lot of times it was putting 
the studs around me in the right position. Hey, it was never me. Um, you were the brains of the operation. Yeah. Like I said, you're you're a solid athlete, man. Like you're good at everything. But what makes you great is your what you bring mentally. And you just gotta like I think one of the biggest things that helped here was the leadership academy that I had got to go through being a captain. And you really learn to like evaluate yourself in a three hundred and sixty degree way of knowing what your strengths are and what like how to use other people's strengths and like delegate so that like Hayden freak athlete. If you want a one-on-one matchup, you want to put that guy on him. Um, mm-hmm. Like Paulo on the backside. If you need a corner to lock a receiver, you put that guy on him. So like changing the calls and that, that's all I ever did was just change the calls to put all these studs in the position to make a play. Um, and we got really good at trusting each other and doing it. And that's where those second and third years just, that trust between everybody just kept growing and kept growing. And that's when we were playing our best ball. And then with our fourth year, it was just tough. Like a new coach came in, coach Feck and great guy and really knows his stuff, but just building that trust up is always hard when, when you didn't have them for your first couple of years. Right. And it's just such a shake up getting a new coach and everything. So we had to rebuild that. And it was tough that fourth year we uh, lost out in the semis um, which was a disappointment for a, a lot of us fourth-year seniors that had just came off too. Uh, and, but we went through our struggles, and you know what? I got to give our guys credit, and especially all my s- seniors, guys that came in with me. Like, they're just ballers, and we decided that I think we had like 16 out of 45, which is unheard of, come back for their fifth year, maybe even more. And we balled out, and when we weren't supposed to win it and we were kind of the underdogs, we, we made it happen in our fifth year. And I can't say that's the sweetest, but it it would be tied with the other ones just because the doubt and all that extra work that went into those years and uh, ending it off on that was just amazing. And then uh, we won't talk about what happened in the, uh, these national semifinals that year that was a tough one playing a powerhouse like Laval but just ended it off at least on the conference championship and with all those guys that you'd worked for five years together in the weight room and in the film room and just so much time with these guys and to still be so close with them and talking with Mm -hmm. them all the time it's just an unreal feeling to finish it off on that fifth and then uh, yeah just all the memories, like, you know how it is out here, such a close-knit community, and you still – you can reach out to guys after not talking to them for a year or something, and it's like you just left yesterday. So. Yeah, it's definitely one of the best parts. What has your biggest takeaway from Elite Athletics been that you're going to carry with you throughout life after after school? Uh, for me personally, it would be my leadership abilities. Um, Like – I would not be where I am today and being able to be confident and in like my, I was always confident on the field, but that confidence to know what you're good at and to be able to like talk about it or to be able to share your experiences with people in a way that's saying like, you can do this too. Um, And not in a demeaning way or not in a trying to boost your own self way. Um, and then being able to 
like for me, coaching is just really what I want to do and kind of thrive for that. And those leadership com- like confidence that I've acquired through the academy here and through the four years of being a captain here is just like you learn that everybody's different and you really got to dial into each person by themselves. You can't treat every anybody that says you can treat every person the same is just wrong. Uh, right. You, everybody's a different person and you really got to get into them and, and find out kind of how you can help them do as best as they can. Um, because if you just try to do things your way all the time, it's just not going to work because everybody's unique and has their own kind of abilities and their own strengths and weaknesses. And you got to try to, your job as that leadership role isn't to mold them into something that's perfect or anything like that. It's just to try to use their strengths and improve their weaknesses as much as you can and make them better as a person and an athlete. And I think I, I learned so much through the extra opportunities here of like leadership conferences and leadership um, training and everything like that. And then having coaches like um, coach Waterman, coach Mullen and coach Snyder, just especially coach Snyder and coach Mullen. Cause that was the guys you interacted with the most. Just, it was all about competing and it was all about trusting the guys around you and believing in them. Um, and knowing that you just have to do your job and you got to make sure you help other guys be able to do theirs. Um, and like going forward, that would be my biggest takeaway is understanding those things, like going into coaching, knowing that I need to have a competitive atmosphere all the time and that I need to have, be able to get to know every player. And it's tough in football. You got nine, like hundred guys sometimes usually. Um, but having that ability to get to know every one of those hundred guys is I look at it as an opportunity. I like, I love meeting people and interacting with people and you learn so much by meeting all these different people from different walks of life. Cause you never know what everybody's been through in their life and you get to know them and you kind of help them build themselves as much as they can. And you just give them opportunities and let them ride and let it see where it goes. And um, another big thing that was pretty cool for me was being able to play with my brother who's four years younger. Um, and win that final championship with him last year was pretty cool. And just realizing that a uh, big saying for me is family's more than blood. And just realizing that, yeah, I have my actual brother there to win that. But all these guys that you went through all this work with and spent years playing sports with from God, any age from grade five all the way up to now, like I can talk. 100%. Guys, like, when you yeah, won, man. when you sorry, sorry to cut you off there, but when you run, when you won your first, uh, your first Loney Bowl, I was just at home watching it, and I literally was so happy for you as like one of my brothers. I felt like I had won one. Yeah. Like there's, there's, there's like blood couldn't make you and me any closer. No, and that's how it is with so many of the guys that we grew up with, especially. Um, and like I found it was harder to get that to that level in university it kind of came easy for us in, in high school because we were such a small area that like we played everything with these guys, right. You were with them every day, but then you got to university and like, you just have to put in the effort and there's, there'll be guys that you don't click with and you're not going to hang out every day, but 
if you're putting in the work and they're putting in the work, you just, you learn to respect them. And you don't have to like every guy, but you respect them as a brother and you respect them as pretty much a family member. And just that, that's the biggest thing I always miss from playing a high level competitive sport. If I don't get the chance to play one again, it's just that family atmosphere of believing in each other and being able to just go out every day and try to make all those boys around you better. Mm-hmm. Um, and last thing here, Dylan, what's your take home advice for young athletes? Like, what do you want to pass on from your process to the next generation of young athletes coming out of Brockville who are trying to accomplish some of the things you've been able to do? It's a tough one. Um, one thing is be coachable. Like never think that, you know, everything or, you're the best at everything because you're just not. There's always somebody that can help you get better. And every person can help you get better in some way, in my opinion. Um, there, You can't be – just because you don't get along with someone or something or a coach doesn't mean they're not going to make you better in some way. Um, and there's there are bad coaches out there, and there are bad teachers and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, they can teach you something. Just be respectful. And get lost in that grind like we got we talked about earlier. Just enjoy the process because that's where it really is. That mentality of like enjoying going to the gym. Enjoying find a buddy and just enjoy going in and work out for extra time. Like get your workout done and then put the extra work in and or go shoot around and put the extra shots up or get on the field anytime you can because when it's done and like it's over god i i would do anything to play one more game or to lay one more blow or just one more practice even i coaching this year i was sitting there in middle of one practice i had to play middle linebacker for play and got ripped by coach for being in there with no equipment but just that enjoy the competitiveness and and, and allow it to teach you how to enjoy life outside of sports too I think people always say that it prepares you for life or prepares you for this, but it also teaches you how to get excited, like enjoy life, get excited and just allow those lessons to come and not forced. See how they come, listen to everybody around you and and continually want to grow. You can always get better at something. You can always get better at pretty much everything. So don't get set in stone and, ever think you're too good for something because even sweeping the locker room or being a good leader and talking to one of the young guys after to make sure he's doing all right. Like you, you never outgrow those things. And those are the things that matter uh, later. And, and you'll talk to guys years down the road. I've talked to a few older guys and just said, you know what, thanks for this little thing. And a lot of times they don't even remember it, but those little conversations and stuff you have during sports or those little moments they really add up into into people's lives and you got to dial into those and just let them happen. Don't try to be too cool or try to be part of any stigma. For sure. I think uh, for the young athletes at home listening to this, you should, you should honestly start this episode over go back to the beginning and listen to all the advice that Dylan's um, that Dylan has offered over this 40 minute episode. This has been, um, 
you know, very raw, very good advice that I think uh, a lot of young athletes can benefit from. So Dylan, thank you so much for your time. I can't wait uh, to see you in a couple of weeks when you're home for a reading. Week. Thanks brother. I appreciate you having me on. And this was episode 19 of athletic insights. Dylan, thank you so much.